A lot of you know, and a lot of you know me, so that's fine. And uh, just to say, I'm still very much involved with Paul Barrett. It's some things you have to do for your sins, and that's, you know, that's one of mine. That's, uh, if you don't believe in penance, but um, Paul's doing really well. The church down in Wrexham are doing brilliantly. Um, as you can imagine, it's unusual. Um, and uh, the way they operate is that they've turned his, well, it's not a garage, it's a huge shed, and they've put a skin in there, and basically you get about 30 people there, and they have a whole day, you turn up, and then they ring a bell. At least they did. They rang a bell when I was there and said, Ray Lowe will now be in the shed. And that happened twice, and people are playing snooker, other people are praying, and, but I tell you what, they are making an impact. And because and, and, dear Paul is he's, he's, um, uh, driving a fire engine, he's driving an ambulance, and he occasionally goes out into the street on military occasions and plays his trumpet as well. So he's getting known. So, so, that's, so that's Paul. So just to let you know that he's, he is, uh, he's doing so well. Um, well, and I'm surviving as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get to my age, they call you a father. And I think really they call you that because they haven't got a clue what else to call you, lest you want to be paid or something like that. Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've got a word on my heart. It's from a passage of scripture um, in, in, in Luke's Gospel. I love Luke and Mark. I read them a lot. Um, I've, I've written a book, which Neil has 10 copies on, but he's had it for about six months now, but you don't know about it because it's too hot. Um, but it's all about the book I never read. It's all about the things they never teach you about church. So if you want to be, uh, have some fun, um, there it is. It was put to me politely by Steve Oliver. Um, just as we're getting into COVID, he said, you're going to pop your clogs soon. <laughs> nice, wasn't it? So you better get, you better get something down on, on paper. Do some manuals. I said, I don't do manuals. I tell stories. So it's all about sort of... Um, a lot, lot of stuff in there. It's church. It's about church. So if you want a copy, um, Neil's got some. Um, it's £10, but he'll give it to you for nothing and send me <laughs> the £10 later. Okay, why do, I like, why do I like Luke and Mark so much? Because they tell you how Jesus got hold of a bunch of unlikely people and knocked them into shape. Um, and um, <laughs> dare I say this, that church, churches full of nice people are not going to change the world. I'll tell you that now. And, and one of the things that drives me mad with some church leaders, as soon, soon as someone comes in and makes some confession of faith, the first thing they want to do is clean their lives up. That was not what Jesus did. The priority with Jesus before character was faith. The world will be changed by men and women of faith. Now, that doesn't mean to say character isn't important. I'm not saying that. Because if you follow through Mark and Luke, you find, first of all, is getting faith into these guys that are following. Then, a little bit later, he begins to teach them on the cross. And they don't like it. Well, who does? The cross is a place of, of death, of dying. But first of all, he wanted them to be men and women of faith. And you find in Luke's Gospel, they actually come to Jesus and they say, help us increase our faith. I think they might have regretted that later. Because when you say that to, to God, and I hope we're going to end up 
this morning where we're going to come to a place say, Lord, I want to move to another level of faith because God doesn't want there to be ceilings to our faith. So we move on from one degree of faith to another. Are you with me? Okay, this is so important, folks. Because, see, we didn't get saved to have our sins forgiven and go to heaven. That wasn't why we got saved. I mean, that happens, although we, we, we actually, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be much better than, you know, we think it's going to be. But, but basically, Jesus died for our sins. He cleaned us up so we could have a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we could then continue the work that he began. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with the Spirit and we continue to be filled, we will never do the works that he's prepared for us to do. And me, I want to do them to my dying day, don't you? That's what makes it exciting. But we need to increase. We need to increase our faith. So I'm going to read your passage. Hang in with me. Does it, is it going to go up somewhere? Do you do that? All right, okay. I'm reading from the NIV. I usually have Tom Wright's translation of the New Testament. Um, but um, actually, I, I like the way um, it's put in this a little bit better. So I'm going to read from... Um, where are we going from? Um, where are we? What was the verse I said we were going from? 8.22, okay, 8.22. Right, now Mark puts this in the context of, a, of about three or four days of almost non-stop teaching from Jesus, all the parable stuff. Mark puts it in that context. Luke skips that, but Mark puts So you can imagine that by this time, if you've been going non-stop, 14, 15, 16 hours a day, teaching and doing the works, how are you going to feel? Clapped. That's right, you've got the word, Jim. Clapped. You're going to feel, you, you are, aren't you? You're going to be feeling dead. So Jesus is at this place and, he's in, and, and he wants to get away. He wants to go somewhere where the crowds, and particularly Jews, are not going to follow. Where, where would be a place which Jews wouldn't like? Amongst the pig farmers. They don't like pigs. They don't eat bacon. They don't like pigs. Okay, so that's the sort of the context that we, that we have here. One day, one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. He's clapped out. He's had it. A squall came down on the lake, which was not unusual. So the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, shook him. Master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he said to them, he asked his disciples, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this guy we got involved with? I mean, who, who is he? That's not quite how it's translated here. Who is this even, he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. So they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes or Gadarenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. It's a nice welcome, I'm glad I didn't have that when I came here this morning. 
For a long time, this man had not worn clothes, so he's, he's, he's starkers, or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he said, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. That's how to make friends with pig farmers. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the country in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from, from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Father, we love your word and we really want to live in it more and more. So help us as we unpack this passage, please, this morning. So they're in a boat. This was not unusual for these guys, they're fishermen. Lake of Galilee, anybody been on Lake Galilee? Sue and I went there a few years ago and we were glad that it was calm. But I did have this passage in mind when we got into the boat to go over to the other side. Because the squall comes up suddenly, there's no warning. But hold on, these guys, this is where they lived. So this, this, this squall was somewhat unusual. In fact, the, 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 the actual language in the original, um, it, it gives a sense that something sinister was going on. Hey, of course there was something sinister going on. Because so much was up for grabs. No wonder. This is, you know, the enemy works in, 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 in any circumstance where he can see that there's going to be fruit, where there's going to be, um, you know, advancement for the kingdom of God. He's there. He will take advantage of anything. So these guys, these hardened sailors, experienced sea guys, this was something they'd never, ever come across before. And so <laughs> they wake up Jesus. I mean, I can't, people don't ask preachers to do things like that normally. So they shook him and they woke him up and said, don't you care if we're perishing? And then <laughs> just this, I, 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 try and put yourself in their position. What, what is going on? All hell is let loose, basically. And then, with a word, he commands the wind and the seas, and all is still. 
Can you, I mean, sometimes we need to get a passage like this and just sit back and just be there and just allow our sanctified imaginations to just try and comprehend what was going on. And they, they looked at one another. And I think, I, I, I long, we have times like this where we look at one another and say, who is this that we've just got involved with? Who is this? Because this person is absolutely amazing. He is Jesus. That's why he wants to increase our faith and our knowledge of him. And that's so good that you've got, can, can I nick one of those books? You've got ten of mine, so I'll only take one. And then Jesus says to them, guys, where's your faith? I think that's harsh. Come on, for goodness sake. I, I think, I may say this, you don't want to be standing next to me when I do, just in case, but maybe Jesus was a little out of order at that point, in the humanly speaking, but he wasn't. Now, just think for a moment. These were men of faith. They'd lost, they've left everything to follow him. You don't do that. You and I haven't done that. <laughs> They left, every, they left a good business. These were, the, these, were, these were middle class businessmen. They owned a fishing business. That was no mean thing. So these guys were, were men of faith. Also, the fact they woke him up. The fact they went and said, hey, we need the master on this one. They, there was something there that said, maybe, just maybe, he can do something. And of course, of course he did. So where, where is your faith? And so what, what we see a dynamic taking place here that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. This was not a random thing. And at last they get to the other side. I, I don't know about you, but I think they must have been on terra firma. This is brilliant. And then all of a sudden there's this guy. Now, just imagine it. And ladies, just, you know, this guy is absolutely starkers. He is... He's got blood and mud and snot and dirt and filth. He's been living in the tombs. Not, not our nice little, you know, cemeteries that we have. And he is screaming. He's probably swinging a chain because nothing could hold him. And he is the most demonised man that we will ever find in the scriptures. I think Peter must have said to John, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I think so. But he's ugly. He's horrible. And he's coming for us. Let's get back in the boat. I'll sort of go, I'll sort of do, go with the squalls than this. And then Jesus just commands. Legion is 7,000 or something. That's what he's saying. This man is so taken over, demon possessed. And, 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 and with a word. Jesus delivers, delivers this man. Now these guys are seeing all this. They are part of the drama. And then the amazing thing is this. He, within an hour, he is clothed in his right mind. He's, 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 he's dialoguing with Jesus. We, we don't know all that took place in that hour, but what took place was this at the end. He said, I, I want to join this team. I think Peter might have said, well, you've done what you're letting yourself in for, son, if you do. I want to join this team. And she said, no, no, I've got work for you to do. And he lived in, in, in an area called the Decapolis, which was ten, ten cities, 
uh, and they were all Gentile. So here is one of the great evangelists of the New Testament, and we don't even know his name. Isn't that thrilling? And so they get in the boat, and they go back, and they get on terra firma, the other side. And what has changed? They have. Their level of faith has gone a notch or two up. Because when they got into that boat, they were at one level of faith. But when they came out, because they'd been with Jesus, they'd gone through a training session, which was scary. They'd nearly lost their lives. Then they're faced with this demonic, this demonic guy. You know, it was, it was way beyond their capabilities to cope with. It was interesting, I was, I was looking at a, a Facebook message yesterday, and it was from um, uh, Mark Dupont's wife. He writes in good stuff. And, she, and, and it went something like this. She said, you know, people say God will never ask, never, God will never ask you to deal with something that you're not able to cope with. And she said, that is absolute rubbish. She said, he'll always ask you to do that. Because we live by, yeah, we live by faith. So Paul, when he's shipwrecked, read all that stuff. It's not pleasant. A snake attaching itself to your arm. That is not, that is, it's not an experience you want to have. But he had those experiences. But he learned this. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And this is so important that we, that, that we do get hold of, that we don't allow ourselves to have ceilings and get, and get cosy in that, because it, it's not satisfying anyway. We want to move on in, in, in our faith. So I'll tell you a story. Um, I left the legal profession in 1977, the end of 1977. I'd been leading Biggin Hill, what was called Biggin Hill Baptist Church at that time, uh, sort of what they call lay, as a lay person. I don't believe in lay and clergy. It's from mid-second century institutional church. We, 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 we are the family of God. We're all equal before God. We just have different functions. And so I changed function, went from practicing law um, to leading the church on a full-time basis. Very thrilled about that. Um, the problem was the salary was nothing like it had been previously. So things like holidays we didn't have to the extent that we did before. But one of my dear friends that you know, John Wheeler, he suggested we go to Spain for three weeks, right down southern Spain, and we drive down there, etc., etc. And he said, it's only going to be a couple of hundred pounds, etc., etc. And I thought, oh, make me an offer I can't refuse. Well, of course, if you know John Wheeler, you know that it wasn't a couple of hundred pounds. It was a load more than that, but he was paying the difference. So we're ready to go. Kids all, all uh, sort of packing their whatever, and we're going to the sun, and it was, it was mid-June, and I played a game of squash that Saturday before and snapped my Achilles tendon. <laughs> Not painful, but I thought, oh, I pulled a, pulled a ligament or something, and got up and found my, my foot was dangling like this. And it was, it was, it was yeah, and I was in, I had surgery the same day, and I was in plaster for 11, for 11 weeks. And uh, so that holiday was kaput, okay? And I wasn't a popular, popular boy, was I, with either my children or with my, or with, with my wife. But uh, the, it, we, we came through that, and then it was planned that we would take a three-week holiday and go to the same place right down southern Spain, but it'd be in October. But that was fine. It's still very warm down there in October. 
And so we set out early one morning at about five o'clock. The church, the church had bought me a Volvo car. Volvo estate, three years old. They said, you drive crazily, so let's at least have something where you're going to be safe in it, etc. And there we are. We all packed in about five o'clock in the morning. And we were so looking forward to this holiday. And we got down, I think it was the M2 motorway, and one of the tyres burst. <laughs> and of course, with the snap tendon that was still healing up, I couldn't get the, the wheel off, could I? And, uh, and Sue couldn't either. And, and I'm thinking, we're going to miss the boat. <sighs> And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, oh, oh this, is, this is awful. Anyway, I, uh, sort of, oh, Lord, please help us. And a lorry driver pulled across, changed the wheel, everything we got on. We missed, we missed the boat, but it doesn't matter. We caught a load of boat. And then we're, we're down through France. If you know Macon, anybody know Macon? That's where you get the, uh, uh, the Chablis, good Chablis wine from Macon. Beautiful place. We're on the motorway and all of a sudden this fire in front of us. Our car is on fire. As Sue said, he got his tennis rackets and other things out first and the kids. But that wasn't true. <laughs> that, that was a lie. <laughs> but can you imagine? There we are. Not, not, um, we're not far from Lyon. And uh, there we are. It was getting dark. And the car is on fire, so we get everybody, everybody gets out. And, and uh, we, we, apparently we snapped a crankshaft. I don't know what that means, but it's serious. <laughs> Fortunately, we had some uh, breakdown insurance, so the car was taken. And, and Volvo, when they got in touch with Volvo, they said, you can't do that. You can't snap a crankshaft like that. Well, we did. And we were put into this little hotel with about two... I think there was about three bedrooms in this place, and as it was. And then Volvo said, well, we can't get a park down there anyway for probably a week or more. So, so, that was, so this holiday was, uh, was, was, seemed to be doomed. Anyway, Dave Gillard, one of my colleagues from Biggin Hill, he decided he would drive over with his Ford estate, and he left it with us, so off we go again, and we're just coming into to Girona across the border. What, what, Sunday afternoon, very hot, and then his exhaust system falls off the car. I mean, can you believe this? So we got one car back there that's left in a little village near Macon. We got this car, and, and, I, and, I could, and there was nobody in this street. It was hot. And I heard myself saying, God, if you didn't want me to go on this holiday, why didn't you say so? Oh, really, I was, I was, I was angry. And there was nobody in this street except one guy. And he came across, and uh, you know, he, he spoke a bit of English, and he said, can I help you? He said, obviously, I see a car. He said, look, I'm a garage owner. I'll take it. So he took it, and we were put in a hotel for the, the night. We had, I, I remember the, the hotel because we had ants in our croissants the next morning. <laughs> Kids always remember that. They thought it was wonderful. It was dreadful. And anyway, and then he repaired it. Wouldn't even charge us. And off we went, and we got down to, where was it we were going to? Right down, it was an if, an, an if thatch there, wasn't it? Big rock there, I can't remember. No, 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 miles further down. Um, right down. And, and we had, you know, a little shortened holiday, but it, it was, we had a nice time, didn't we, love them? Yeah, we, 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 we had a nice time. And then we had to drive back, pick up the car. Money had been put in the bank so we could pay for the repair. The trouble was, it was Halloween weekend and the banks were all closed. And then, so we had no money. Oh, I was pulling my. Can you imagine? I mean, patience is not my strong suit. 
Anyway, so we, anyway, we got two cars. Sue's driving one, I'm driving the other. Get near Calais, the Volvo goes again. We pushed it on the blinking pole. And we, eventually we got home. Well, praise God, the check that the church had given to the, to the car owners, the, uh, um, our treasurer, Paul Medler, I forgot to sign it. So when we got back, they're after their money, and we said, no, you're getting your car back. So we got the car back, and then we got bought a brand new car. And I, got, we, I, I was not happy with myself and my attitude. And when we got back, we found the church had been in crisis. Uh, a young, a young was, it, was it, it was a girl, wasn't it? A young girl, Claire, had got, uh, well, she got leukemia. And the, and, the, and the prognosis was not good. And um, um, one of my young, uh, young colleagues, uh, Pete Corpass, some of you might remember him. He was calling him Pete the Prophet, Pete the Greek, whatever he was. He was always Pete the something, but he was a man of faith. And he called for us three days of prayer and fasting. And so we turned up as the church was in much rejoicing because there'd been a miracle of healing. So it's me all grumpy, the church all rejoicing. I felt so ashamed of myself. I, I felt, Ray, no, this is not, you know, this, this, this is not how a leader ought to be. And I was not a happy bunny. But do you know what? I knew, I knew that God was going to put me through this again. I knew that I'd failed miserably. And I thought, I, there's going to be another time when I'm going to be tested way beyond my capabilities. No. <laughs> A couple of years later, I've been with Alan Vincent in India. We were flying out from Bombay, which is now called Mumbai or something. And on takeoff, Syrian Airways. Never go on Syrian Airways. We said, all for the sake of 40 quid. We Syrian Airways. And on takeoff, an engine blew up. Can you believe it? An engine blew up just as we're getting to that point of no return. I thought, oh no. Anyway. They said we had to come off. It was some. They said some birds got in the. Well, the birds weren't sitting on the ground waiting to go in. They they do that up there. And they were that daft. So anyway, about six hours later, we're told the plane is ready. You're now flying off. Um, and I heard, because I keep my ears open, I heard the engineer and the pilot arguing, because the pilot said this plane is not fit for flying, and the engineer said Damascus, Damascus needs the plane, there's a war on. Damascus, what's Damascus? Well, Syria, I suppose, isn't it? Capital, is it? Capital? It is, isn't it? You're a mathematician, Jim. Wouldn't expect you to know. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. And we're all there. I tell you what, we're all hoping that engine's going to go. Boom! We're down the... Get into the point of no return. Bang! And everybody cheers. No one wants to go on this plane. They put us into the Sea Rock Hotel. Wonderful five-star hotel. But do you know what? I can't phone Sue. I can't get through. None of us can get through. Next day, we get on another Syrian Airways plane and we're flying and we land in Damascus. We're not going to Damascus. We're going to London. And we're told then, you, you are under a house arrest. This plane is being commandeered because there's a war on and you are going to be our guests for the next four days in a derelict hotel. Um, and if you complain, we're going to beat you up. Well, there you go. 
And I knew, I knew, I thought, ah, this is it. I thought, I have got to do better than I did last time. Now, Alan Vincent's about six foot 12, and I'm about, about five foot nothing. Used to be taller, but shrinking. Not of a shrinking violet. And so we, only, we had one single bed between us. We tossed a coin, and I got the springs. So I thought, all right, this is not going in the way I want it to go. But you know what? I said in my heart, hey, somehow, Lord, I'm going to lean on you on this one. I am going to, I'm going to look to you. I'm not going to be grumpy like I was on that, that, that trip to France, that holiday. I am going to, I am going to trust you, um, even though we were being eaten alive, the, there was, there was, the food was dreadful. Um, and I thought, no, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to do it. And it was the Downs Bible Week. I was preaching at the Downs Bible Week um, uh, sometime after this. So I, I started preparing my notes just in the foyer to this hotel. People were coming and people were saying, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm preparing some notes. Well, what's it about? It's about Jesus. So, I mean, it was amazing. I thought one little change of attitude gave God an opportunity to open up some things. I got, there was a swimming pool there. But I didn't have any trunks. Some of the guys were going in late at night. Um, but uh, I got favour. You can't call him the hotel manager because he was more like a warden. But I got favour and he gave me a pair of trunks. And then he said, would you like to organise a, a, a trip to see the street called Straight? I said, but they've taken their passport. He said, no, no, I can do it. i got a friend who's got a bus. So I said, how much? He said, it's £5 a head. I said, I charged £10. I made some money on it as well. <laughs> And, and about 30 of us went on this trip, and his bus came, and his mate was a bus driver. So what he'd done is just taken the bus, gone off his route, picked us all up, took us out for the day, then got back on the route. And, and, you know, and I got home, didn't I, Sue? I had a lot of mangoes in my luggage. So you can imagine what stunk to high heaven when we got back. And I was eating a lot. My, my, my legs were about twice the size. But you know what? I'd come through. And I knew, I knew through that experience, um, I, I'd, I'd gone to another level of faith because I'd been in a situation where I just was not in control. And we love to be in control, don't we? I mean, and there's a sense in which there's, there's a rightness to that, but God wants us to take, when, when, when situations come about, that we, we meet them with faith. And what I mean by that, is that we, in, in, to ourselves, we say, I know I can't handle this, but I know I've got God with me, and that, that means there is the possibility. I, I'm seeing Ian sitting there, and he, he's been in business all his life, and businesses are up and down, and sometimes you must have wondered, you know, where, 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 where the next client or something was coming from. And that's been like that in COVID. But you know what? The church has survived in COVID, and a lot of people haven't. A lot of mental illness around. But it's, it, it's, so we have that attitude of, of mind that we say to ourselves, like the psalmist does, why are you so disquieted, O oh my soul? We speak to ourselves and we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you on this one. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust you and we'll see where we go. Because every day when Sue and I, we, we have a, a joint devotional every morning together, um, we, we, we have it with John Wayne, is the calendar. Uh, Tom Wright, Tom, who's the, uh, his commentaries, and Jesus, of course. And we, we have these, and, and 
when we pray, one of the things we always pray for, Lord, we need daily bread today, but we need also something for the unusual that might just pop up. And that's where we live, isn't it? The, the things that actually come, come, come up that are the things that we don't expect. Um, and, and, they, and they can be pretty hard. You know, Trevor Payne at this moment in time has a wife that is very seriously ill. And we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And, and, and Trevor hasn't got the resources in himself to cope with this. He's gone from being a very significant leader in our movement to now fulfilling the vow that he made 50-odd years ago in sickness and in health. I, spoke, I speak to him you know, regularly um, during, during the weeks. And I say, how are you doing, Trevor? He said, I'm pretty depressed, to be honest. But he said, I, I'm, 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 I'm managing. And I think, yeah, you're managing because Christ is with him and he's got faith. He, they don't know what the outcome's going to be. It may, not be a, it may not be a good outcome. I mean, the treatment they're giving is, 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 is almost the last hope sort of treatment. And, and yeah, we, we believe for miracles, but they don't happen that often because that's what a miracle means, something that's out of the ordinary. And, uh, you know, so we, we, have to be, we have to be real. But, but Trevor is digging deep for resources that he hasn't got except in God. And so when it says that the righteous shall live by faith, it's, it's not a faith of what we just believe in, it's a faith of how we live through life. Let me tell you something, you can't learn this stuff in a theological college. You just can't. You can't learn it by just reading the word, although the word gives faith, but we, le we learn this stuff in life. And I just want to leave that with you here this morning. and and. You know, um, Neil said, is, 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 is there some ministry we can do? Is there... We can't really. What we can only say is the Lord, hey, that's a hard word. See, if you, if you read on into Luke, even after this, they come to a place where Jesus talks about, you forgive your brother, so they say seven times. No, 70 times seven. And then they say again, Lord, Increase our faith. In other words, I don't know if I can do that. If I keep getting bashed and hurt and bruised and damaged, can I keep forgiving? I need faith for that. But they said again, having learnt the lesson here, they come back to Jesus again and say, right, we need another level of faith. We've, we've coped, we cope with the storms, we cope with the winds, you know, the gathering demoniac, he's now our brother, great evangelist, we hear good things he's doing. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think I can live. I don't, my, my heart just isn't up to forgiving like that. Increase my faith. So can you pray with me this morning? That's scary, this. I, I mean this seriously. Don't pray this unless you're prepared for some scary experiences. And don't go on a Syrian Airways plane. <laughs> All right, if you learn nothing else other than that. Lord Jesus... You are the source of all that we are. Without you, Lord, we would, goodness knows where we'd be, but we would be lost. And different sorts of lostness, Lord, but we would be lost. We have to say that. But we came to you, Lord, and we found that you took our lostness 
you paid the price for our, our just the, the, the way we were, Lord. All our sin and filth. And you made us one with the Father. And you paid an awesome price for that. But Lord, to the end, that we could be one with the Father, even as you are one with the Father. That we could be filled with your Spirit, as we started our service with. We could be filled with the Spirit, in order that we can partner with you in the work that you continue to do through your family, Lord, your church. And so, Lord, we come this morning, and Lord, we, we, we would love to have some fun with this stuff. But Lord, the serious note is this. We don't want to stay at the level of faith where we are. We do want to go further, Lord, because, Lord, we just delight to do the works you've prepared for us. So we come now with open arms and just say, Lord, like those disciples of old, will you increase our faith? Please, Lord. Whatever it means for each one of us, it will be different. Will you increase our faith? And we ask this, Lord Jesus, because we love you and we, we, we love what you're continuing to do. And we want to be part of it. Amen. Amen. And if you turn to chapter 9 of Luke, guess what? He sends the twelve out to cast out demons, to heal the sick, perform miracles, and preach the kingdom of God. And he go, they go with his authority. So pre-Pentecost, we, we, tend, we tend not to see. See, the, the, the spirit coming and, and Jesus' authority is all one. <laughs> you, can't, you can't split the Trinity up like that. So they go with his authority and they come back and they say, even the demons, even the demons are subject to us. So this stuff works. Amen? Amen. Right, over to you, Neil.